Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Come on, come on, release your sound this morning. He is worthy of all the honor and the glory and the praise. I am so excited to be able to stand before my family and to be able to share the word of the Lord on this morning. Now, it's just exciting just to be here. Don't y'all stare at me like that. It's a good Sunday. We're going to have an amazing time in the Lord. I love what the worship team started off singing. They started talking about the power of the Spirit. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so on point. So I'm really excited about what God is doing. Are you at Destiny? One more time, one more shout of praise for God. Just one for Him. Real loud. All right. All right. All right. Well, we're going to go over our declaration real quickly. Um, We've been doing this declaration throughout the year. It says, if you will look to the screen, you can say it with me. I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word. For everything I do flows from it. Proverbs 4 and verse 23. So we're going to get into the message today. Um, Pastor Rife started a series on last week. And the name of that series is entitled Vertical. And if you see the diagram, it speaks to a horizontal relationship as it relates to us in our family or other people. But then the vertical relationship is the direction of us having a relationship directly with God and how this relationship, our relationship with God should trump or should be the fuel that flows every other relationship. It shouldn't be that we place more emphasis on our relationship with others then replaced on our relationship with God. And so I'm going to bring the second message in that series today. But before we go there, I just want to take an opportunity to honor um, the our pastors of this house in their absence, Apostle Rife and Pastor Shea Stewart. We thank God for them. They're amazing leaders. And I just appreciate their leadership and the opportunity to be able to stand before you and bring the message on today. So I'm going to continue the message on vertical. And um, our scripture text is going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 18. If you will follow along with me in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. And some of you guys may have your Bible app or you may have um, something else, but that's where we're going to start. But listen, i got to tell you something. So my cousin Sierra introduced me to this series entitled Manifest. But I have a confession to make. Like, I'm really not a TV person. I don't watch television. Um, But when she introduced me to this series, it was so good that I couldn't stop watching it. Don't judge me. I binge watched the entire series. And I was like, oh, my God. But, you know, as prophetic people or as believers, spiritual people, we don't just watch things and we don't and not see them from God's perspective or from God's vantage point. So as I was as I was watching this series, let me tell you guys a little bit about the series first. So the series is about this aircraft, right? This flight and the name of the flight actually is 828. And this flight had gone into, they they had a destination, I think it was Jamaica or somewhere. And the flight was supposedly um, 
went through a series of turbulence. And like any other flight, when you go through turbulence, you expect to get out. You know, everything is going to be okay. You expect the outcome to be good. But as this flight was going through this turbulence, the turbulence ended up landing them into a whole different sphere. Like the turbulence caused them to lose time, to lose resources, to lose family. So during this turbulence, when after the turbulence were over, what actually happened that they had went into time and what was supposed to be two days turned out to be five years. And this flight was identified as a missing flight, flight 828. That's going to make some, that's going to make sense in a minute, 828. So the flight turned out to be um, a missing flight. And so there were also passengers that because they thought that the flight was missing, they also thought that the passengers had died on this flight. And when they got back to, when they actually landed, when they came out of the turbulence, when they came back into landing, they noticed that everything that they once knew was gone. Their family members that they had lost, they had lost track of time, but they had, they had gained something that they didn't have before. They had gained this supernatural ability to be able to sense and to hear and to know things before it would happen. The, the ability was so amazing. They became so sensitive that they were also able to solve mysteries, to solve cases. They were able also to prevent certain tragedies from happening before they actually occurred. And as I sat there, I thought, I said, well, God, 828, the scripture says in Romans 828, they actually used this scripture text in the in the um, series, and this wasn't necessarily a biblical series, but it had biblical and prophetic implications. And so as they used this text, it said, all things work together for the good of them who first love God, y'all know the scripture, and those who are called according to his purpose. And so I start thinking about it, and these supernatural abilities, they call these supernatural abilities callings. And I said, hmm, I said, how much so is it that God has given us a calling and some of us don't know our calling or some of us are walking around and we're not actually fulfilling that calling because we don't feel like we're equipped to fulfill the calling. But then there is this thing that I started discovering. I said, well, God, you know, we talk about callings. One thing about our calling or one thing about becoming closer to God, it makes us uncomfortable with where we are. It makes us have to leave our comfort zone. And then, you know, when you get close to God, the thing about getting closer to the glory of God, once we become closer to the glory of God, that means that I have to confront some things in my life that won't conform to God's character and God's nature. So I have to conform my image to his image and not the image that I created or chose for myself. And so it's time that we as believers begin to walk out that calling. Last week, Pastor Wright was talking to us about the glory of God. What exactly is the glory of God? In Hebrew, the glory means the kabod. It is the weighty presence of God. It is his presence. It is his goodness, and it is his power. And when we are operating from a place of glory, people know that we're walking in glory. It's tangible. The glory is always attached to the visible. If it's, if it's hidden, then it's not glory. Because glory deals with the realm that is seen. It brings the invisible into visibility. 
And so manifest, when you talk about manifesting, that's what I'm going to be talking about in this series, Vertical, the manifestations of glory. And I know you're asking, well, what in the world does that series, Manifest, have to do with this series? How does it tie with the series, Vertical? Because I'm talking about manifestation, right? Manifestation, being able to reveal, being able to unveil, being able to become visible. And so the glory of God is the manifestation of who he is. It is everything who God is coming out into the open. And I don't know about you, but in this day and time, we need God's glory to be made manifest in our life, in our world, in our churches, on our jobs, in our businesses. We need the glory of God. And so many times we have dumbed down or we have minimized God's glory because of a religious belief, because of a, a, a political belief, or because even of our own ideologies. But I'm going to tell you in this day and time that if we don't tap into the glory of God, then we're going to miss out on what God is doing in the earth. The reason why God wants to, us to not only, he not, he not only want us to experience his glory, he wants us to be able to release his glory. And so I cannot, it's, I, don't, I cannot release something that I've not experienced on, on my own. I can only release that that I've had an encounter with, right? I can tell you all day long about how good the restaurant down the street, my favorite restaurant is, uh, oh, what is it? Half Shell Oyster House is so good. I can tell you all day long about how good half shell oyster house is but there are some things there are some things that you just don't have words for you've got to experience for yourself and that's how it is in the glory of God I can tell you how good his glory is I can tell you how good his presence is I can tell you the things that he's done in my life as it related to as it relates to his presence but until you have an encounter with God for yourself nothing that I say to you really matters I'm talking about the manifestation of God's glory so as we're talking about the manifestation of, of God's glory in our text, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, the Apostle Paul, we're going to read it, but I want to kind of give you some background of the text. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And in his writings, he is making a comparison with the Old Testament glory versus the New Testament glory. Testament meaning covenant, which speaks to agreement, something that God agreed to do or not to do. And so in his comparison, he began to tell them, he said, in the Old Testament glory, when the kabod would manifest, when the weighty presence of God, when everything who God was would come out in the opening, when the people, the children of God could not, the children of Israel could not handle it. Because the Bible says, as Moses would go into the mountain and he would begin to convene with God, the Bible says that as he began to come out of the mountain, his face began to shine so bright that the children of Israel, he had to cover his face with the veil because they could not handle the glory that was on his face. His countenance was too bright. It is equivalent to what we do. When we look into the sun, we put sunglasses on because the sun is too bright for us to look directly into the sun. So he says, now, that was glorious for them. That was a glorious encounter for them to be able to encounter God's presence through a man, through the countenance of a man. But he says in the New Testament, the glory of God is so much greater and is so much more glorious. Why? Because the ministration of this glory comes directly by the Spirit. 
And he said, when you come to me now, you don't have to have a veil to cover your face. Veil representing covering, a veil representing unbelief. He said, but now, he said, the veil has been torn. The veil has been removed. The scripture says that when Jesus hung on the cross, and after he began to, uh, after he said it is finished, the Bible says that the veil began to rip from, rip from top to bottom. And I'm telling somebody this morning that everything that would keep you out of the presence of God, every obstruction, every obstacle that would keep you from seeing him face to face has been removed. So why are we not experiencing his glory? If he's already done the work, he's already removed the veil, then why are we not encountering him to the degree that he desires for us to encounter him. In the glory, I don't have to work. I just need to rest. You see, when we're outside of glory, then we're working, we're, working, we're toiling, we're trying to get this done. We're trying to make this happen. I'm trying to get this just the way it's supposed to be. I'm trying to get my body to come into alignment. But when I begin to step into the glory, I don't have to get anything to an alignment. The glory does all the work. And I came to tell you this morning that God is releasing his glory upon the church. The manifestations of his glory. Let's get to our text in 2 Corinthians 3 and 16 and 18. It says, but when one turns to the veil, I'm sorry, I'm leaving you guys. It says, well, you're reading with me. But when one turns to the Lord, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version, version. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. I just said that to you. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding, looking upon, or gazing the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this, come from, this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So here's what I want, to, the, I want you to know this morning. And this is what I feel like God wants his church to know. That our invitation, our relationship with God was an invitation into glory, right? When we come into relationship with him as believers, that's our invitation into glory. But here, our gaze, look, our gaze upon God's glory determines the degree of glory we will experience. Our gaze, our gaze, our gaze. What does that mean to gaze upon something? It means to look at intently. It means to stare at. It means to uh, turn your attention to. It means to meditate on. It means to contemplate. It means to focus. And so I, I, I would like for someone who I'm in relationship with as a significant other to gaze upon me. But it feels very weird if someone that I'm not in relationship is staring or gazing at me. But when we come to, uh, when it comes to our relationship with God, our gaze is, it is an intimate move. And as we begin to gaze upon him, he not only releases his glory, but he transforms us in his glory. Isn't that powerful? He, does, he doesn't just release his glory in our life. Listen what it says in 2 Corinthians 13, 16, and 18. He says, but when one turns to the Lord, that speaks to repentance, a change of heart. The veil is removed. Who removes the veil? He removed the veil. Now the Lord is the spirit, the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And we all, with unveiled face, unveiled face, there's no more covering, there's no more obstructions, beholding or gazing upon the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory unto another. For this comes from the Spirit of the Lord. I'll say it again. As we gaze upon God's glory, that determines the degree to which we experience his glory. As we gaze, as we meditate on, how do I gaze upon his glory? I begin to gaze upon his word. You see, the children of Israel were guarded from God's glory. But we have been given an opportunity to gaze upon his glory. So we don't have to protect our faces or we don't have to hide if there's something wrong that we feel is off in our life. We don't have to hide from God. We can run to God. The scripture, the songwriter said, I will run to the hills. I will look to the hills from which cometh my help. So when there's something going on in my life, I don't have to run from, from God. I can run to God. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous can run into his name and find safety. So as I gaze upon him, everything that I need is released in his glory. John 1 and 14 says it like this. And the word was made flesh. The word was made flesh. The word was revealed. The word was manifest. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. We gazed upon his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen what it says in the Passion Translation. And so the living expression became a man and lived among us. We gaze upon his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. So as I gaze, how do I practically gaze upon the glory of God? I begin to meditate on the word of God. The word was made flesh. The word, this word that, you're, that we have is living and is active. And as I begin to meditate on the word, there are supernatural things that happen as I meditate on the word. As the word become flesh in my life, as the word become my reality, as the word become real to me, then I can experience things in the glory of God that I have not experienced before. And the word was made flesh. We're talking about the manifestations of God's glory. One of the things that the glory of God does, it transforms and it transcends. Transforms means to change. Transcend means it takes me beyond. You guys recall, recall the encounter of Peter and John when they were in the temple and they were preaching. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 in verse 13 that now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were unlearned and uneducated, untrained men, they marveled at them and they took note that they had been with Jesus. The glory of God transforms and it transcends. It calls me to go beyond. It calls these ordinary men 
to do extraordinary things. Why? Because they had been in the glory. And I'm telling you today that as we encounter the presence of God, as we spend time in the glory, come on, this, this, the apostle Peter here was the same one that denied Jesus. He said he, had, he didn't even know the man. But when he encountered his presence, when he encountered him, he was able to go back and declare with boldness and confidence, hey, I know about him. I be he began to talk about him. He began to say things about him. But that only happens when we come face to face with his presence. As we gaze upon his glory, it determines the degree to which we experience the glory. I want to tell you the definition for the New Testament of what glory means. In the New Testament, glory is defined as doxa. It is, in the Greek, it is doxa. It is where we get our word doxology. And most of the time, um, the litur liturgical order is to, of dox doxology is to sing or is an expression of praise. It is where we sing or we give an expression of praise. So glory in the Greek, it speaks to honor, dignity, and praise. So when you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 18, it's, it's, bringing our, or it's bringing a compilation of what happened in the Old Testament to what happens in the New Testament. So as, because the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So what happens in the New Testament has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And we're walking out a continuation of what Christ did or what he accomplished on the cross. And so as we begin to go into the Old Testament when it talked about the weighty presence of God, his presence, his goodness, and his power, well, what happens, we experience that. I used to think that the glory was just for church setting, you know, please, please forgive me. I used to think that we only encounter God's glory at church until, until I was sitting at a cubicle, I'm doing other things, and this weighty presence began to sit on me. And I'm in meetings, and I don't know what to say or how to respond, but the glory of God begins to give me words that I didn't have before. Give me understandings that I didn't have. Give me, an, give me things that I didn't know ordinarily about uh, a test and exam, exams that I was taking. But the glory began to show up in these places. And I'm like, wait, this is not a church setting. But I came to tell you that we are tabernacles. We are living epistles, read amid. And wherever we go, God wants to go with us. The glory, Emmanuel, God with us. And so the Old Testament was his weighty presence, which we still experience that now. His presence, his goodness, and his power. But what that leads to, me being able to operate in a place of honor, dignity, and praise. Because I told you, told you that when we are, or when we encounter the glory, he trans, the glory transforms us. Oh, it transcends. It takes us beyond the average. It takes us beyond the norm. It takes us beyond the status quo. It takes us from doing normal things that we start doing extraordinary things like the apostle Peter and John. They knew that they were uneducated. I mean, I'm not loud because I'm, un I'm uneducated. I have some degrees. I'm loud because I experienced something. I've encountered something with him, and I just can't keep silent about it. I have to tell somebody about my experience in his glory. There is something about the glory of God that causes me to walk in a degree of honor, 
dignity, and praise. My first encounter coming here at Destiny Church, I was broken. I was sitting in the back. I was crying. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was trying to heal from a broken relationship. I was trying to get myself together, but something happened in the service, and Pastor Rife began to call me down to the front center and stage, and as I came down those, 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 that long walkway, it seemed extremely long at the time. As I began to come down that walkway, the glory of God began to encounter my life, and I found myself not being a broken woman anymore. I found myself experiencing the goodness of God. I found myself wanting to run on and fulfill the call of God all my life. There are things that happen in the glory that you may not be able to explain, but the manifestations will be evident. The glory, it took me from the back to the front. The glory, it was not anything that I have done because he didn't know me. And I didn't feel like I had what it take to be able to go forth in ministry again. But there's something about the glory that gives you confidence. Something about the glory that releases a level of honor, a level of dignity, a level of praise that you didn't have before. And people will notice when you are walking in God's glory. I don't know about you today, but I came to tell somebody that God has taken a church from the back to the front come on come on give them some praise come on those of you who have been sitting it's time that you serve it's time that you spend time in the glory so that you can have something to release in the earth in your sphere of influence God wants to make you a step above the rest. When you get ready to go into that job interview, God wants to highlight your name with dignity. He wants to put, he wants to put letters behind your name that you didn't have before. Come on, he wants to give you something that the educational system can't give you. He wants to give you something that your marriage cannot give you. He wants to give you something that you've not experienced in life before. He wants to give you a power and a presence that you've not been able to tap into in your prayer walk. I came to tell you that the glory of the Lord is going to manifest in your life today as you begin to cry out for the manifestations God reveal unveil your glory in my life in my life there are times there were situations in my life and I'm talking about me that I didn't have the resources I didn't have the experience I didn't have the know-how I didn't even have the connection to be able to walk into certain doors. But it was the glory of God. I knew how to, to lay before God. I knew how to cry out to God. And I just believe that my time spent with God was not wasted. I just believe the time that I will prostrate myself before him. The time that I will gaze upon his face. The time that I will look into his face as something was happening there. I may have not been able to feel it at the time. But let me tell you something. When I begin to walk out of those rooms, especially in my early years, when I begin to cry out to God, there was one particular time that I was laying before God and the Lord says I want to send you to the nations and I said yes Lord I'll go and I, he said to me he said will you really go I said yes God wherever you send me I will go and I was talking to my sister the other day and, and lo and behold as soon as I got out of that place of worship I got a phone call that someone said there is a missionary from Africa that is asking for someone to go to Africa I had no idea that God was going to send me over there and she said I know you have to pray about it I said, no, I don't have to pray about it. God has already spoke about it, and we're going. I had no idea about mission work, but it was the glory that caused me to be transformed and transcended into a place that I had no knowledge of. And it was that same glory 
that gave me the ability as we were sitting there in these meetings, deaf ears were literally open. We were sitting there in these meetings. I never experienced miracles on that level like that before until, until we stepped ground into Africa. But it came as a result of gazing upon his glory. And I'm telling you today not to brag, but God wants to do something in your life. But it's going to come as a result of your gaze. God wants you to God wants to use you in your family. He wants to use you in, in your mountain where you've been called. But he's saying, listen, I need you to gaze upon me because we can no longer relegate healing to someone else. We can no longer relegate our family's deliverance to someone else. We can no longer relegate our own deliverance to someone else. It is time because the veil has been torn. There is no middle man. There is no middle man. There is nothing standing between you and God but you. So it is time that we begin to go to him face to face and begin to gaze upon his glory. Here's what the scripture says in 2 Peter, Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. I said to you that glory reveals the divine nature of God that leads to honor, dignity, and praise. And not only does it reveal the divine nature of God, it releases the divine nature of God. As we spend time in his glory, sin dissipates. As we spend time in his glory, depression dissipates. As we spend time in his glory, fear has no choice but to leave. And here's what the Lord said to me, stop negotiating with the enemy. Stop negotiating with the enemy about something I've already given you. And many of you are negotiating. You're, you're fighting back and forth. I don't have time for that. I take authority over the atmosphere in my own life. I take authority over, over my financial status. I take authority over my marriage. I take authority over whatever it is that God has given you. You don't have to know, negotiate. It's non-negotiable. It's already done. Just gaze upon his glory. And in his glory, he's going to give you the confidence and the boldness to step into it. The scripture says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, in the King James Version, and I'll read this version, but in the King James Version, it, it says that he has, according to his divine power, again, speaking to his nature, he has given us some things, all things, all things. How much is all? Everything. He has given us all things that pertains to what? Life and godliness according to the knowledge of him who has called us unto glory and virtue that's the king james version i want to kind of unpack this text a little bit according to his divine nature he has given us all all is everything everything that pertains to life and godliness and i know there are people in this room including myself that there are needs that we have, different needs that we have. But the Lord is saying here that I've given you everything that pertains to life, all things that pertains to life and godliness. Well, what is the disconnect? Why am I not walking in that? Why am I not, I'm not able to access the all things that you have given me? He says it's according to or by the knowledge of him. Hmm. 
Well, when I gain a knowledge of who he is, I also gain access to the all things that he has prescribed and ascribed to me. There are some things that were made, some doors or some rooms that I will never be able to walk into until I access the knowledge of what he says concerning that thing. And so that's the, the disconnect. That's why it's important to gaze upon him. I told you gaze means to contemplate, to look intently to, to turn your attention to. So as I gaze upon his glory, his glory begins to reveal to me or provide insight into the areas where I've had no knowledge of. The areas that have been dark because light is, is, light is the presence of revelation. But darkness is a lack of revelation. It is ignorance. And not saying that we are ignorant, but there are certain things that we don't know. And we don't know, then we can't access it. But the scripture says here that I've already given you all things that pertains to life and godliness. How? According to the knowledge of God. And he said, why have I given you these things? Because I have called you to glory and virtue. Glory and virtue, meaning that thing that God has placed on the inside of you, is supposed to lead to honor, dignity, and praise. Honor, dignity, and praise. So God, in, right here on our, on our screen, it says, everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us. I like to think of that as a banking account. Everything has already been deposited in us. Uh, you can't access your funds if you don't have the right information, right? You can go to the bank all day. It can be your bank, right? It can be your account. It can be yours. You go there every day, but they're going to ask you, uh, ma'am, what is your driver's license? Can you please present your driver's license, sir? Uh, what is your account number? There are certain things they're going to ask you to be able to access that account, right? It's yours, but if you don't have the right information, then you can't access those things. Okay? So he says, I've already deposited this into your account. I've given it to you by my divine power. I told you that in the glory, I don't have to work. I have to rest in what he's declared. And as he gives me steps to take, I step, I make, I make alignment with those steps. I walk into those steps. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name. This is so good. By name. Do you really mean that God knows my name? The Bible says that the very hairs on my head is, is, are numbered. He doesn't, get, he, he doesn't get me mixed up with Glenda. He knows my name, my name. He has blessed us according as he has chosen us. There are things that God has for you that are just for you. I don't care if they get that before you. They can't get it because it's yours. It's yours. He knows your name. He has invited you into a place of glory. And it says, and he has invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. God wants to reveal his goodness to us. Why is it so important that we encounter the glory of God? Because if we don't encounter the glory of God, if we don't encounter the glory of God, if we decrease our gaze upon God, if we decrease our looking towards or into the glory, what happens? We also 
decrease the glory. If we're not looking at him, if we're not looking at him, then we don't experience him, right? Who, who doesn't want to experience God? Who doesn't want to experience his goodness? So decrease gaze equals decrease glory, and decrease glory equals decrease growth. If we're stagnant, if we're not growing, if we're not encountering him, then there are people in our lives that are not experiencing the fullness of God. Those of you who are called into places and areas of leadership, those of you who are called to be leaders in your own house, those of you who are called to arenas of healing and all of these different things, if you are not looking intently or gazing upon God, then there are some areas in your life that will remain in darkness. Remember, everything about God is light. So if I don't come into the light, then there are going to be areas in my life where the lights are turned off. Think about it, think it in this terms of your house, right? When you go into your house, you may have lights on in some rooms, but there are other rooms that the lights are off. And when the lights are off, you can't see in the dark. It's hard to look in the dark and to see. But the scripture says that the light shined in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or did not overtake it. So the moment I step into glory, the light of his glory began to overtake every area of darkness that is in my life, that is in my world. And that darkness has to flee. That darkness has to go, representing for some of us ignorance. That darkness represent, representing some of us for pain that won't leave our body. That darkness may be representing for someone's sickness that I continue to battle with. And I'm not saying that this is something that we have to do. As I stated before, it is by his spirit, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord. So as we partner with his spirit by gazing upon his glory, he begins to do the work. And the spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. There are things that we are not aware of. There are things that are beyond the surface, but the spirit begins to take a search like a lamp, a, a flashlight. And begin to search out the things of God in our life. Oh, yeah, on such and such day, sure supposed, he's supposed to be here. On such and such day, they're supposed to be there. Let me arrange circumstances to come into alignment so that they can get there on time. But we don't experience that, right? If we're not gazing upon his glory. Oh, yeah, this is supposed to be the person that they're marrying. Oh, yeah, this is the person that they're supposed to hire for this job. Oh, yeah, this is the business that I want them to have. Oh, yeah, this is what the name is supposed to be. This is the thing that is needed to access or unlock this healing in their life. But when we are not in the glory, when there's a decreased gaze, there's a decrease of the glory, and there's a decrease of growth. And I don't know about you, but I cannot afford not to grow. I cannot afford to be stagnant. I cannot afford to be lifeless. I cannot afford to be dry and barren in this season of my life, in every season of my life. Because the Bible says that he calls us trees planted by the rivers of living waters that shall bear fruit in its season. And that's really every season. Regardless of what's happening in my life or around your life, it shouldn't cause us to stop bearing fruit. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. 
He is the spirit, he, fruits of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, temperance, self-control. All of these things are a result of having him living on the inside of us. And because I have him on the inside of me, no matter what season I am in, I have the ability to bear fruit. So I've decided that instead of all of the negatives, I want to increase this. I want to increase my gaze. You can come. I want to increase my gaze so that I can increase his glory and so that I can increase my growth. Why do I want to grow? Because when I grow, everything connected to me grows. Growth, growth is the very nature in the character of God. It is the divine nature of who he is. Everything he touched prospers. Everything he does assails into something good. And I don't know about you, but I decided a long time ago, way before now, that God, I want to live the life that you have, you have ascribed me to live. He said, I come that you may have life and not just life, but that you may have it more abundantly. There are areas in our life that God said, wait, that's not my best for you. You're living life, but you're not living your best life. And I want to I wanna help you live your best life, an abundant life, the life that I have predestined you to have. That means as I begin to increase the time that I look on him, he's so beautiful. To behold his beauty, as I begin to look into his face, something happens to my countenance. I may have come in his presence down, depressed, sad, oppressed, and I have literally done that. And like, God, I just want to be with you. I just want to stay here. I don't leave that place the same. After spending time with him, I have literally felt things leave my body. That's a form of deliverance. I have spent time in his presence. Nobody had to touch me. His glory did. And I've laid before his, his, I've laid before his presence uh, things that I, were, I was thinking are desiring that was contrary to his will for my life, he began to take those desires away and transform them into his desires. And I'm speaking to people right now that are in this room. You've been listening and you've been saying, yeah, this is sound. This sounds really good about gazing upon the glory of God. But yeah, how do you really do that? And what about me? Because I'm, I'm just new to this thing. I haven't been here a long time to know him. So practically, you need to break that down. Like, what does that look like for me? I'll help you with that. Gazing upon his glory. These are ways that we can increase our experience in his, in his glory. But one of the practical things that you can start off by doing, just meditating on the word of God. Take Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And just meditate on the fact that he is my shepherd. What does a shepherd do? It takes really good care of the sheep. It means because he is my shepherd, he's also my provider. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to be concerned about losing or lacking because why? He is my shepherd. So find the scripture and just meditate it. Don't, don't read the word just to be reading, but read it to feed. How is this going to nourish my spirit? The Lord is my shepherd. The next thing you can do, and this may be new to some, soak in his presence. Soak in his presence. The key is to snuggle, not struggle. That's what Eric Gilmore said. Snuggle, not struggle. It's about being with him. 
him. I'm not trying to get anything from him. I just want to be with him. You have, have you ever been, wanted to just be around somebody because you love them? So it's about just being with him. I'm not trying to toil. I'm not going, this is not a time of intercession. This is a time of silence and solitude where I just allow my heart to do the talking. It's just about being with him. The next thing you can do is ask God to reveal areas where repentance is necessary. We know there are things in our lives that sometimes we are not aware of. Sometimes we are. But the scripture says in John that if we confess our faults, if we say, we say like, God, you're right about that. I was off on this. The Bible said if you confess your faults, that he's faithful and just to do what? To forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Again, he does the work. I just partner with him. And I just say, Lord, repentance simply means to change my mind, which results in a change of behavior. God, I'm sorry, I messed up. And as I do that, then he began to take me into the next dimension, right? So the next thing I can do, I can also release my faith. After I've done all of these things, not necessarily in that order, but I need to release my faith. What he has been declaring to me in a secret place, I need to declare it over my own self. I need to begin to walk it out. I need to begin to step into it.